Eye report today um, has a couple different angles that we're going to look at, but one was last Monday night I got to spend some time with a men's small group. They had dinner together and then they had some conversation around the pastor's sermons. <laughs> now that's a little intimidating, but um, they were very gracious. They were very gracious, and when I offered to leave, they assured me that it would be okay if I stayed. But anyway, it was just wonderful to see a group of guys kind of unpacking the scripture. And seeing where it was, that that was going to apply to their life and where they felt God was speaking to them in some of that and where they felt the Spirit was moving them to, um, and how they felt the Spirit was moving them to, to be obedient to God's Word and to live the next day and that sort of thing. So it was just great to be in that fellowship and that small group of guys and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it. Um, the other experience I had, I have to tell you, and you can just trust me on it, but was one of the most profound found experiences I've had in 17 years of being in a local church. And it came from the fact of your generosity to the pastor's discretionary fund. And the full faith and the full belief of someone who knew that God would provide in a desperate time. And you may not know exactly where all that money goes when you give to the pastor's discretion fund, but this week you did the Lord's work, and I am so incredibly grateful for that. So thank you um, for that. And God did provide in a marvelous way for somebody who had fallen on difficult times. So this week um, we are going to continue our conversation as to what it is that is foundation to who we are as Christians. How is it that God calls us to be and behave? How is it that that forms community in a faithful way, and as you may remember, we talked first about how we greet each other, how is it that we speak to one another a word of peace when we first meet, that's how Jesus told us to greet each other, and how that's not just a greeting in Hebrew tradition. When you say shalom to somebody, it's both beginning and end and everything in between. Shalom means what kind of people do we want to be? Can we be a people of balance and harmony and peace? Can we be a people of welcoming all? And, and we create this space for one another just to come and be. And in that space of peace and harmony, we actually are countercultural, are we not? And we give a witness of God because our behavior is different as a people who seek to live in peace with one another and reject any ideas of division. And then the week following, we talked a little bit about Abram and Sarai and how they were called of God to to live into a new reality in their life. Thousands of years ago, God began calling a people, setting us apart for a witness to this world. And in that calling, Abram was promised a blessing, and, and we love that. We love that when we're faithful enough to follow God, we may receive a blessing, and not always immediately, but, but long-term. We have to look at the long haul, I guess, sometimes. But not only do we receive a blessing when God calls, remember? Through Abram and Sarai, all the families of the earth would be blessed. So that's our litmus test. It might be easy to follow God when we anticipate a blessing for ourselves, but what is it that God's going to do through us for somebody else so that they might be blessed? That's huge. 
And then last, last week, we talked a little bit about what it means to be called as a disciple. What does it mean to, to go forth in the name of Christ and to help make disciples and to baptize people of all nations? What does that mean? And, and if you remember, we can't do it on our own. We have to go back to Galilee before we go back into the world. If you remember, God, after the resurrection, Christ appeared to the women and told them and the disciples to go to Galilee so that they could spend time with God, rest in God's spirit, spend time with one another, strengthen one another, recharge those spiritual batteries, if you will, and then be ready to go out and to meet others in the name of Christ. We recharge those spiritual batteries, not just to stay put. We go out in that new life to share Christ with others. It's just who we are called to be. And we're reminded that we cannot do it on our own steam. But we need to spend a little time in Galilee with Christ so that then the Spirit can more fully empower us. And this week, we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. Now, this might be a passage that is familiar to most folks. It might be new for a few of you, but familiar to most folks. We understand the Samaritan in that commandment to love one another and to offer one another a place in this world. The commandment of loving God, loving self, loving neighbor is there in this this text. And I'm going to read it in a little bit. But I wanted to start off with a clip from a show you may all recognize as well. Hey, I'm call NBC. Officer, he's stealing my car! Officer, I was carjacked. I was held up at gunpoint. He took my wallet, everything. Okay, thanks anyway. They can't get another plane. Right, what's wrong with the plane we got? They're just checking it out. Oh, oh, no, 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 not getting on there. Come on, let's get something to eat here in Sticksville. All right, hold it right there. What? You're under arrest. Under arrest? What for? Article 223-7 of the Latham County Penal Code. What? No, no, we didn't do anything. That's exactly right. The law requires you to help or assist anyone in danger as long as it's reasonable to do so. I never heard of that. It's new. It's called the Good Samaritan Law. Let's go. Our Good Samaritan Law? Are they crazy? Why would we want to help somebody? I know. That's what nuns and Red Cross workers are for. The Samaritans are an ancient tribe. Very helpful. Anyway, I I venture a guess that we know it when we see it and we know it when we don't see it. But um, let's pray. We'll talk a little bit more about the Good Samaritan. Gracious God, we offer this day to you as you have given it to us. We look for your blessing so that we may be a blessing for others. Thank you, Lord, for not only commanding us on how we are to live, but also making a way for us to be faithful. You do not ask anything of us that you do not also provide your spirit and its power to help us live into it. So be with us now in these moments and help us understand a little bit more about who you are and who we are as your people. Amen. So I'm going to read this parable of the Good Samaritan. Like I said, you probably know it. This was kind of the anti-Samaritan, right? This is not really where we're going in this in this these next few moments. But anyway, like I said, you know it when you don't see it and you know it when you do see it. And here's the truth of the matter. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus and said, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
And he said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, and he poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you and more for whatever you spend. Now, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. It's a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So go and do likewise. It's a tall order, but I think it is what we as God's people, again, find to be foundational in our faith. It's at the very beginning of who we are, and then living into that law is who we hope to be as we progress on that journey, as we go down our own road. And I love how this story starts, because i got a lot of lawyers in my family. I know lawyers, and I know they don't want a lot of fluff. I know they don't want a lot of words. They just want to know, what must I do? To be successful. What must I do to get the verdict that I want? What must I do? Just tell me what I must do. And I'll do it. Because I'm about the law. My father's an attorney and he used to take my term papers or anything I was writing in high school and he would proofread and he would mark up that paper and I would say, Dad, i got to have 10,000 words. Nope, not this word, not this word, not this word. There's too much here. This is redundant. Don't give me this. I mean, that's just the attorney in him. My sister is a, was a prosecutor. Now, you didn't want to say too much in front of her. <laughs> Cousins are attorneys. I mean, it's just who... I was raised around, so I get this lawyer. I get that he wants a straight answer. And he wants to know what it is he must do. Now, Jesus knows this is a man of the law. Jesus knows that this guy knows what he is to do. Jesus is going to quote from Deuteronomy. The lawyer is an expert in Hebrew law, in Deuteronomy, in all 615 laws. The lawyer knows and Jesus knows he knows, and the lawyer knows Jesus knows he knows, but he was just trying to reach out and see what he could get. And Jesus says, what does the law say? And the lawyer rightly says, the law says that I must love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my might. 
and I must love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, exactly. Exactly. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will live. Now, the lawyer wasn't going to accept that. The lawyer, again, pushing the envelope. He wants to know a little more. He wants to see if he can get Jesus into more of a conversation, understand it a little more. Maybe we can believe that it's honest inquiry, that he really wants to know. Jesus, how is it that I'm going to do this? I've known the law. You know I've known the law. I get it. But what does it mean to live out that law? What does it mean for my heart to be transformed so that I can love my neighbor as myself? And Jesus tells this wonderful story. All 50 states now have good Samaritan laws. We see it in pop culture. This story is iconic to the people of God. So heaven help us if we don't follow it. So Jesus says, a man was going down on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And and um, robbers fell upon him, stripped him, beat him, and left him for dead. And along came a priest, and along came a Levite. These are the religious people, y'all. These are the people that others want to know if they're going to give a good witness. These are folks who know the law, who are, have their jobs, their livelihood, because they know the law. These are people who, above all else, should be obeying the law and living into its spirit way beyond its letter. And so these two guys are coming down the road, and they see this man lying there. And what do they do? They not only ignore him, they cross to the other side. How insulting is that? Not only do they ignore this man in desperate need, they cross to the other side, and we all know what that means. They don't want to be bothered. And in fact, they are either scared or they are so utterly contemptuous of this individual that they will have absolutely nothing to do with him and not even come into close proximity with them. They cross to the other side and go on their way. And then along comes a Samaritan. Along comes a Samaritan. He's not good at this point. We don't know what he's going to do. All the people who are listening to Jesus have their own preconceived about Samaritan, preconceived ideas about Samaritans. They don't like them. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They had racial and religious enmity towards one another. For thousands of years, it came to do with the separation of the, of the uh, kingdom of, between Judah and Jerusalem. Another matter. Anyway, they don't like each other. And everybody listening to Jesus that day would know that the Samaritan is anything but good. And in fact, the Samaritan is unpure, uncle- impure, unclean, and probably not documented well enough to be in that area. And so, they want to know what the Samaritan's going to do. And what does he do? He cares for the man. He bandages his wounds. Pours medicine on them. Bandages them. Puts him on his donkey. Takes him to the next town. Pays for his health care. And leaves him with an innkeeper. And promises to come back and go even further. If the man's needs require it. And he becomes good and fair and just, and he becomes the one who lives not only into the letter of the law, but into its spirit as well. Jesus asks us to do the same. We know the law. We've just heard it. Are we the religious folks who will 
not go beyond its letter and to its spirit, heaven forbid. Heaven forbid that we be that kind of community of faith that does not see beyond just the letter of the law, but heaven forbid we be that community that doesn't let that law, that spirit, transform our hearts so that we can love our neighbors as ourselves. It's not easy, I know that. I got plenty of folks that I'd rather cross the street when I see them coming. It's just the way it is. And yet Jesus calls me, calls us to do more, to be different, to be unique, to sit and, and be in community with those who perhaps we'd rather not talk to, to care for those who are different, to care for those who may disagree with us, to care for those who we might consider impure for whatever human reason there is. God does not play that game. All are created in the image of God. Therefore, all are worthy of our love. You know, I find it interesting when God calls us to do something. This command to obey the Lord begins with a command to obey, obey God, to love God with all our hearts first. Because I think it takes the heart being transformed because... We, before we can be faithful, before we can be at our most faithful and live into the law, and with hearts transformed, then perhaps we can engage the other, whoever that other may be for us. If the truth be told, I think Melania got it right today. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if LeBron and Trump sat down together? It might be ugly. But what does it mean for people who disagree to come together and talk? Perhaps Melania got it right. Overstep those boundaries that are human-made. Overstep those preconceived barriers. As long as you're not declining somebody's humanity, as long as they're not declining your humanity, it's important because God made you and them in God's image. It's important to be able to come together with people that we may disagree with. And heaven knows this country needs that right now. Civility and decency and a willingness to come together with people who, who, by human standards, might have a barrier or a wall between us, not in God's eyes. And if the Samaritan shows nothing, tells us nothing, it tells us that these human constructs, that these cultural divides that we experience, that we participate in all too often, don't need to exist in the community of faith, don't need to exist in the kingdom of God, and in fact won't exist when people are faithful. So I want you to take it from this abstract this abstract concept of love. Love is not a noun, it's a verb, at least here. And love is not a concept, it's an action. Love is not necessarily words on a Hallmark card. It is words and law that is written on our hearts that compels us to live differently from those around us, perhaps. So I want you to think, again, take it from the abstract into your own life. Who is it that you would rather not bother with this week? Who is it that you don't like? Who is it that ticks you off? Who is it that disgusts you? Let's use some strong language because that's there with the Samaritan. And I want to invite you to take a step toward them this week. They might not be bleeding on the side of the road, but chances are they need an encouraging word. Who is it 
that you will give a word to, that you will offer love to? Who is it that you will step across the border in order to be in a relationship with? Who is that? I'm preaching to myself. I'm going to have to do this three times because I preach three times in the morning. (laughs) That's one homework assignment. The next homework assignment is for the kids. You know, children learn biases and prejudices. And so kids generally don't, they don't come into this world with these preconceived ideas of, of who's in and who's out, who's acceptable and who's not, who is impure or unclean. That, that's not a child's nature, that, which I think means it's not human nature until it's taught to us. But anyway, kids, who is your neighbor? And let's think of this. It might not be somebody that you don't like. It might be. But how about somebody you don't know? What is it that you can do for somebody you don't know this week? I was at Target yesterday. A pack of markers is a dollar right now. And erasers are 50 cents. Who is it that you could provide a gift for that would make a difference as they start the school year? Who is it that you might never meet or might never know their need, and yet you can provide something for because God asks us to love with action, with determination? Now, it's interesting. The lawyer is very hung up on what must I do. Please don't hear that. This is not salvation earned by action. We don't do that. Not what I'm talking about. But when we have entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, grace becomes apparent. Love is not earned, but it is displayed. And once we've begun that relationship, that's when that heart begins to be transformed and you offer the otherwise to a world that is in desperate need of loving their neighbor as their self. Because they love God. So we've got our tasks. We're going to practice because it takes a lot of practice. Practice loving somebody who we generally would not if it was left up to us. The other way, one other way, that we talk about this at least in the Methodist church is that this communion table is open. And what that means is that anybody and everybody is welcome. This is not a human table designed by human hands, officiated by human hands, guarded by human hands. This is the Lord's table where there is no barrier, where there is no border. All are welcome. And this is the Lord's table where preconceived ideas, and we have them, I know that, what preconceived ideas do not keep us from being in communion with one another. And again, if one of the witnesses we have for this world is Christians who disagree and yet still get along and come together at God's table, if that's the best we can do, hallelujah. Because again, that is a witness to the foundation of who we are as God's people. And so this table belongs to no one but God, and God says, Welcome to Samaritans, to Jews, to Americans, Italians, Russians. God says welcome to all people. So love is hard. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those taking the easy path. Jesus knew this, so he gives us the opportunity to practice a lot. So go forth knowing that God calls you to love the other 
whoever that might be, wherever you might find them, and know that what God has called you to, God will equip you for.